0: Good evening. It's a true blessing to be here at Eastern Camp, as always. Um, Don't know how much of a blessing it is to serve, (laughs) but uh, we'll have to see how the Lord provides. And trust that He will, as I thank all those who said that they were praying for me, and I encourage us all to pray for those who serve us, who teach us, that the inspiration of the Spirit would be upon us who serve and that he would lead the direction of our thoughts and of our teachings. Let's begin this evening with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbled by the majesty of who you are, an awesome God, a Father in heaven, one who doesn't leave us alone, but comes as a Savior to redeem us. Lord, we thank you so much for your redemptive work on the cross that brings life where there was death. We thank you for the choice that we have before us to choose you as our God and as our Savior. We thank you for the time we have now to open your word and look into it. We thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that has been working in this place and we know will continue to work in this place. But Lord, more importantly than working in the place is working in the hearts. Lord, you know the needs. You know the what is going to take to put someone over the fence and have them choose you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, we pray that whatever that is, that you would supply it. We pray that you would gather our distracted thoughts, that any distractions that would come would be pushed away. We pray that Satan would be banned from this room and that your spirit would only work. We thank you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. This theme has been on my mind for a couple of weeks and the idea of choosing or choice has been something that I've been contemplating again for a couple weeks. I looked on the internet, which can always be a good or bad thing, and I found or I was looking up how many choices do we make daily? The basic consensus on the Internet, which has to be correct because it's the Internet. They don't put false stuff on the Internet. The basic consensus is we make 35,000 choices daily. 35,000. How that number is computed, I can't say. I can't say if it's um, a per every action we do, but basically it's the idea of any... um, remotely conscious anything that has something to do where we think about and respond because of how we think is an action is a choice we make so I don't know if it's per word I also looked up how many words we speak a day women speak 20,000 words and men speak 7,000 words a day so that would throw off the number of the 35,000 I know women that speak more than 20,000 and I think I'm a man that speaks less than 7,000 except on days that I preach that brings the average up but whether or not it's words we say or sentences we think and we all can know choices we make in words we say how many times have we said something and wished we could pull it back we have to be very careful with the words when we put them out there they're out there the ears that hear them can't put them away they can forgive us if we say things wrong or say things hurtful but they can't put them away. But those choices cause us to worry, cause us stress, all those choices, some not so much. Of the 35,000, which again, we can't really fathom, uh, and of the 35,000, they say at least we have at least 250 or so choices of food that we make a day, um, which when we're here at camp and have the Uh, Choice of buffet and salad bar and and just the ice cream alone choices make those numbers go higher as well. But the real choices in life, the difficult choices, and not all those 35,000, but some of those more serious ones, cause us stress and cause us worry. Choices have consequences there's consequences to what we choose. When I see chocolate in front of me, I know what my consequences is. First of all, I'm going to enjoy eating it because I love chocolate, but if I eat too much, I get a bellyache, so I know that consequence too. If um, If I'm walking in a parking lot and I see a convertible Lamborghini with the top down and the keys in the ignition, my thought process is, or could be, I've never been in a Lamborghini, I've never drove 120 miles an hour with a top down. That feeling, I can't imagine that feeling, but I know it's something I would like. I also don't know what it's like, I've never experienced being in jail, but that could be the other consequence of doing that. So I have to weigh those two consequences that I think will happen, neither of which I've experienced, And I think I would make the choice to leave the car alone. Maybe I would guard it for a while and wait till the owner came and said, I protected this for you. Let's go for a ride. Um, Adam and Eve had a choice, and they were told, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. And I don't think they understood what that meant. I don't think they understood that consequence. You will surely die. What is death to Adam and Eve who have never even Witness death. So, so they don't understand that consequence, but does that uh, negate their responsibility? Does that say, oh, then, then it's okay if you do something well because you didn't understand the consequence? No. They sinned by being disobedient to God. The sin of disobedience, whether or not they understood what death is and what that consequence was, they were disobedient. And they had to face that consequence, as we all do when we sin. I'm going to read a text, but another thought regarding choice came into my mind that I want to quickly go over before we go into a text. And I'm sorry, I'm not a theologian, but this was kind of a theological thing. Someone spoke to my children recently with an agenda in their mind, I believe about God's sovereignty. That God is in control of everything. That God is absolutely in control and chooses everything. And there's scripture to support that. And yet we have a a verse here that says choose, that gives us the choice and says you choose. And I fully believe that. Seems to be a, a contradiction of is God really in control? Does God really make every choice of everything? There's some scripture that supports that. But then, but then how can we choose? Because we have free will and we can choose. There's lots of scriptures that support that. How can two contrary things both be true? Well, that's not the only time in scripture where two contrary things are true. In order for me to find my life, I need to lose it. In order for me to be strong, I need to be weak. There's lots of paradoxes, we call them in Scripture. Things that are contrary, opposing each other, but are both absolutely true. The idea of a trinity, a 3 person godhead that is one god is difficult to explain but it is absolutely true and it is something that is foundational to our understanding of who god is who jesus is who the spirit is and how they are all truly god can we make sense of that and explain it some of these other things to find my life or lose it well i have to lose my earthly life i have to give up my will that God, well, we can explain some things, but some things are beyond our explanation. That God is in control of everything, but that we also have choice. That He has made us eternally, eternally secure. There's scripture that says you were eternally secure when you claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and yet there's scripture that says you can fall away. That if you leave your first love, if you continue in a life of sin, after you've known Jesus as Lord and Savior, you will be lost. We can know God personally, but we can't know the infinite God. God is beyond our understanding. He is infinitely wise and infinitely powerful and infinitely loving and we in our finite minds can never understand fully god does that mean that we can't have a relationship in Uh, i have a, a wife that i love and loves me i don't know everything about her i know a lot about her and we grow and learn about each other i don't know every thought that she has and every detail of her life but we learn and we love. Just because I don't know everything about her doesn't mean we can't have a beautiful, loving relationship. We can never, as human beings, with our finite little mind that is about the size of your fist or maybe bigger, but still small in comparison to how great and God is. He is infinite in wisdom, and His... If you think, okay, I I have a grasp on God now. I, I know who He is. And we should know Him personally. And we can have that relationship. We know He loves us. He showed us He loves us. He sent His Son to die for us. He's done more than His share. But to know everything about God and to understand everything, how things that are contrary in scripture when someone says do you believe in eternal security i say yes i do Do you believe they can fall away yes i do wait a second (laughs) you just said two opposite things scripture says it i believe it is god in control of everything every action every motive yes i believe it scripture says it do you have a choice do i can can i choose to follow God? yes He's given me a choice. The Scripture says, Choose you this day. I can choose. He's given that to me. I can't explain how both things work. But I know, I trust the God who wrote the Scriptures and who loved me enough to save me. When people have an agenda to teach or to tell you something, be careful. Believe the Scriptures. You know, Calvinism or Lutherism, their beliefs that men came up with. They have their person's name in front of it. I don't want to be anything but a Christian with Christ's name in front of it. I want Jesus to be what I teach and preach and believe above all else. That's my... Uh, Theology, theology aside, uh, so you can approach me later and we can discuss it more. But it's just something that was on my heart and I felt the Spirit led me to share. I like to read a scripture in Genesis chapter 13. And, and I encourage you to read with me, but I also encourage you as you read scripture in thinking about choosing. When you read scripture, think about the people you're reading about And think about the choices that they had. The choice that they had in whatever situation it was. They had this, 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 and this choice. And what they believed the consequences would be. What they actually chose and see what that consequence was. And maybe what the other consequences would have been had they chose otherwise. Think about choices that people in Scripture make and the consequences thereof Genesis chapter 13 And Abram went up out of Egypt he and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him into the south And Abram was ver- Abram was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning in between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord and Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great So that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, And they separated themselves one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from from the place where thou art northward, And southward, and eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the breadth of it, and in the breadth of it, in length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. i read the entire chapter. Abram was chosen by God. And Abram chose to obey God and to leave his home and to be obedient to what God called him to do. And he was on his journey and he was being blessed by God. Blessed with land, with uh, riches, with cattle. He was blessed. He wasn't blessed with a family yet. That was yet to come. But God had promised him that. God had promised him a family and descendants. As we read here at the end, this was the second or third time that God had made this promise to him. He was, God was reiterating it and, and pointing out that this will come to pass. But he was being blessed prosperously. And then we have Tagalong Lot. That's what I call him, Tagalong Lot, who was tagging along for the ride and was, by nature of being with Abram, who was being blessed, was also being blessed and had tents, and cattle. It doesn't say he had gold and silver, but he had a lot also. And we come to this point where they're in this place of where their cattle and and, uh, livestock are being taken care of, and they're too big. They're too much. Each of them owns too much for them to have uh, room in this area. And so you think that Abraham isn't really making a decision here. He's deferring to Lot. He says, you make a decision what we should do about this. If you go one way, I'll go the other. But truly, Abraham is making a decision as well. If I were in Abraham's shoes, what would I do? So there's conflict. The herdsmen are conflicting, and and there's conflict that may come up between me and Lot. What would I do? Well, in life, I find myself avoiding conflict and trying to just not think about it and hopefully it'll go away. If you ignore it long enough, maybe it'll go away. That's usually a bad tactic to take, it usually gets worse. So that's not something he chose to do. The other choice that I probably would have made would be like God promised me this land. I know that this is my land and it, it's been given to me by God. I journeyed for my home here. Lot, it's time for me to separate with you and not just for you to go to the left or right. It's time for you to go far away. Find your own place. All you see here, God promised me this. That would be my second choice. Again, not what, uh, not what Abram did. Then the other option is, and, and you know Abram knew which was the better half. It's not like Lot was sneaky and said, okay, that's good. I won't let Abraham know that I know that that's a better land over there. Abraham was as wise as Lot was. He was older and more wise, I'm sure. And he could see, oh, the good land is there. But Abraham didn't say, I'll make the decision. I'll take the good land. And you go to the less likable land, less fertile land. Abraham was a gracious loving and kind uncle to Lot. And Abraham knew that his blessing that he had been blessed with on this journey that he had made so far with the Lord was not because I had worked hard and I had found fertile uh, land for my uh, crops and my, my livestock to live in. He knew God blessed me. And that's why I'm blessed so lot you choose if you want the good you take the good if you want the bad i'll take the bad because it's not where i am it's not what's around me it's god who has blessed me abraham understood that and that made him withdraw his rights he had every right to the all land he had every right to the good land but he said and this is something we all need to learn, because we all claim our rights so easily. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to, uh, you know, be disappointed. I have the right to claim what I deserve. What what do I deserve? What what do I really deserve? I deserve hell. Anything above that is God's grace upon me. So. Be careful to claim my rights and my rights. It's, that's so worldly. That's so much what the world does. Let's not be like them. Let's with, let go of our rights. Let's be taken advantage of once in a while. Let's let people use us and abuse us if necessary. Because we know that God gives us the increase, not our rights to this or that. He is the one that gives the increase. So now we go to Lot and his choice. And Lot makes a really logical choice. I have livestock. There's really good land there for them. Abraham said I could choose. Well, we can say that the right thing to do would be to defer to your uncle who is really the reason why you're even being blessed and say, please, you take, as my uncle, you take the good land. But he must not want it that bad because he said I could take either. So that land looks really good. It's a logical choice. It's an earthly choice. It makes sense. But it was not the best choice for Lot. It was not what enriched his life in any way. Oh, his livestock was probably taken care of pretty well for a while. But his life wound up in ruins, and we'll read about that in a little bit. Often, we live our lives making choices that we think are beneficial for us that will serve us that will be the best for my family situation for my financial situation it it just makes sense to make these choices but we can't see the long term consequences only God sees the long term consequences and he is really the one that should be directing our choices From little choices To big choices I read a story Recently about a family Whose father Worked for many years But every night he came home at four o'clock Had dinner with his family And had family time And he was a hard worker But every night for years 30, 40 years he, He lived that lifestyle And his family grew and grew up And uh, he retired, and soon after, he passed away. And at the funeral, his children uh, were there with his previous co-workers, his former co-workers and former boss, and, and they asked the, the coworkers and the bosses, you know, our father was a good worker, wasn't he? Oh, yes, he was for the best. Was best. How come he was never advanced in, in your company? Oh, you don't know? he was offered multiple times to have a better position, have a larger salary, have a a bigger, more important job in this company. But he said, no, I need to be home. And, And those, of course, would have involved more hours at work, would have involved travel to different places. And he said, no, I think it's more important to be with my family than to have that little extra disposable income and to um, maybe be a little better well-off. I'd rather spend that time with my family. And the children, at the death of their father, weren't thinking, oh, man, I wish... I wish you would have done that. We maybe would have had a better car all along the lines or, or maybe we would have another vacation during the years. Or They were thankful. Now that their father was passed, that they had that extra time to be with their father because now he was gone and that time was even more precious to them. Sometimes I will tell my children, I don't say it often enough, and sometimes I speak say it in sermons that I'd rather have my children be missionaries doing the Lord's work than to have lucrative careers that they're successful in but, but maybe they're not really working for the Lord but do my children look past the way I live my life to hear those words or do they see their father that works hard that works often to maintain a middle-class lifestyle. Our example speaks far louder than our words. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 3.18-20. I'd like to read. Let no man deceive himself, If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And again, there's another one of those paradoxes. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Lot was using earthly wisdom I'm going to take the better land and my livestock is going to do well because of it. Yeah, there's Sodom there and I know it's extremely sinful but but I'm going to stay away from it. If you read in verse In verse 10 he said, well, and lifted up his eyes and beheld where it was. But in verse 12, it says, And Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward or near Sodom. Sodom is an analogy for sin. Sodom was a a true place and truly a sinful place. And we know, I'm not going to read it in this text, but we know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. That fire from heaven rained down upon it and destroyed it. It's analogous to sin in our lives. Lot looked, said, Well, it's nice there. It's near Sodom. It's it's sinful there, but I can handle that. That's that's not a problem. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really go in. I mean, we'll deal with the people, I'll sell them stuff, I'll buy stuff, you know, the, the Walmart is there, it's convenient, it's but we'll stay away. In verse chapter two. 14 verse 12 it says and they took lot abram's brother's son who dwelt in sodom and his goods and departed so he was camped near sodom and not long after he was living in sodom chapter 19 verse 1 says And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Lot sat in the gate. Do you know what that means? When they sat in the gate, he was an official of the city. He had a, a role of importance in the city of, of Sodom. So I'm going to live near Sodom. I won't, I won't get involved. I'm going to, you know, I understand sin. I'm going to dabble in it, but it won't affect me. I won't. Okay, so, well, now I'm living in sin. This sin is a part of who I am, and it's just the way it is. But I can still control it. I'm influencing Sodom. I'm going to be the the ruler in Sodom. Did, did, Did Lot rule Sodom? he was an official and said, did he rule it? Was it changed because of him? Or was he changed because of the influence of Sodom upon him? When those angels came, and we know the story that the men of Sodom wanted to pull those angels out and have relations with them. And even when it was time for them to leave, fire is coming, this place is going to be destroyed. Lot lingered and and, and waited and they hold him and dragged him out. Do we think we have control over our sin? I can stop anytime I want. I, This is just something I deal with. I deal with whatever it is. But I can stop it. Sin has control over us. The progression of sin is clear in Lot's relation to Sodom. I'll live near. Well, I'll live in. Well, i I'll run the place. So Sodom has control. Sin has control. And there's only one way out. And his name is Jesus. Choose you this day. We have to be very careful that we don't minimize the sin that is in your life, friend outside of Christ. It is a controlling factor. It is Satan's work and it is something that you need to be redeemed from. And Jesus is the one who washes away old sin and comes into your life to give you victory over sin that is in the future that is before you, those temptations. Victory is not something we can do ourselves. Victory is not something we are capable of. Choose you this day. When it says choose you this day, the, uh, Brother Dave read the text yesterday in, in uh, Joshua. Joshua is telling the people, will you choose the Lord? Or will you choose other gods? Well, nowadays, we don't have other gods. I don't, there's not too many Buddhas out there. There's not too many uh, people that in our congregation here that worship Allah or Islam. or uh, Other gods really doesn't make sense to us so much. But what is our other gods? Well, what is it that you think about when there's nothing to think about? What does your heart yearn towards What is your love that you can't let go of? Because that is your God. And really, often, most of the time, the God that we serve is the God of self, me. I am the God of my life. This is what the world would have us believe, that what I say for me is what is right for me and what is best for me and that is what goes. I know my experiences in life. I know what I enjoy and what I don't enjoy. I, I know what direction I want to go towards and what direction. I am in control and I, don't bother me with this choosy this day, Lord. I just want to live my life and enjoy my life. I have a girl at home. I have a car at home. I have A job that makes me money at home this is this is not something that is beneficial to me be careful be careful when you think that there's one person that knows you better than yourself and you know yourself pretty good you know what you enjoy and what you like and God knows you from before you were even conceived. He has seen and known everything about you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what can lift you up and make you the fullest and most complete and the best feeling and the peace of beyond understanding. He has that in mind for you. So when I say, oh, I, I know what's best for me, Well, think. I think you're here because you believe that God is real and that He is true. And if all that's true, then you should believe that He knows what is best for you. And He has in mind what is best for you. And you need to choose Him so He can lead you to what is best for you. Sometimes we think that, you know, I'm, I'm really pretty good. I, I'm a church boy. I've gone to church all my life. Uh, you know, there's things that I sometimes fall into. But he knows my heart. I, I, I have a heart that wants to serve him. I want to do good. Brother Phil talked about that last night. And, but there was still something missing. In 1983, there was a flight that left Alaska, to Seoul, South Korea. A few thousand miles, three or over 3,000 mile trip. And I don't know how many hours into the trip, many, many hours in the trip, 269 people on that flight were shot down out of the sky and plummeted to their death. They were on a course from... Alaska to Seoul, South Korea. And in the navigation, the pilot puts in a course that was one degree or so off from what they were supposed to go. And one degree seems very little. That's nothing. They should end up pretty close to where they were supposed to go. One degree over thousands of miles puts them a few hundred miles off course puts them over russian airspace and puts them in a place where the russians shot that plane out of the sky if you're on a course that you think is pretty close to being good and you know the bible is i believe it it's my i abide by it i do what it says and for the most part and i i 'm living a pretty good life I mean compared to others <laughs> i 'm doing a great life i 'm really one degree off puts you in hell. There is only one course, one direction, one course that leads you to a father who has his arms open, who leads you to a savior with his arms outstretched. Only one course, and that is through that Savior. There's no slightly left, slightly right. It's through Jesus that we can know our Father in heaven. Our infinite Father in heaven who's so much wiser and we can't comprehend Him in our mind, but we know He loves us. We know He made this way for us. We know Jesus was the ultimate and only sacrifice that washes away our sin and makes us appear before God as righteous. Not because we live properly or we behave properly, but because Jesus covers us and puts robes of righteousness on us. And we can call Father Abba and have a relationship with Him. When these words say, Choose you the Lord. What are we choosing? What are the consequences of choosing the Lord? What are we, what are we gaining? There's one more text I want to read. That This text is from Joshua when he was near the end of his life and what he leaves his people with. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses was leaving his people at the time and leaving Joshua in in command and in charge. And he says very similar things, but I'd like to read that. Deuteronomy 30, starting with uh, verse 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over jordan to go to possess it i call heaven and earth to record this day against you that i have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days and thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Choose life. Choose the Lord, and choose life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. 35,000 choices. We have 35,000 choices per day we make. Some with consequences that are minor. Some with consequences that are major. Some with consequences that are minor now, but down the road may lead to major consequences. There's an interesting part of that uh, Internet statistic is that 35,000 choices a day is for adults. Children make 3,000 choices a day. 3,000 choices compared to 35,000. Why do children have less stress and worry in their lives? Because they only have to make 3,000 choices a day. We are called to be children of the Most High. The Most High Who wants to direct our path? Who wants to lead us each step of the way as we walk through life? Who wants to fill us with His Spirit that leads us into every choice and every decision, from minor to major? Because He knows the consequences. He knows the end result. He sees what we can't see. He knows. The good that looks good now, the prosperous life that you may think by choosing this good land, means destruction, means you're going to be dragged out of the city, means you're going to. We won't even talk what happened with his daughters. Choose wisely, choose the Lord, choose to serve Him. Choose to have His Spirit live within you. Choose to be His child so you have to make less choices in life that are weighing upon you and burdening you. And you can leave them to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what's best. I trust you with today. I trust you with this minute, with this hour, with this day, and with my life. Choose the Lord and choose life. May God bless his word.
1: So I ask kindly, um, as we, after the prayer, that we would sing number 76 as a transition from the sermon to the inspiration hour. Let's bow for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, your words have been brought forth this evening and we praise thee so much for that. We thank you that you inspired the brother to bring forth your message through your Holy Spirit and that he emptied himself of 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 himself so that your spirit would have free reign. We pray so much that your word would go forth in truth and in power and that it would come back to thee tenfold and a hundredfold, that the people here tonight would think upon the words that have been spoken, how they apply to them individually, the choices that need to be made in their life. The banner says that it says choose this day. It doesn't say choose tomorrow or the next or next week or a year from now. It says choose this day, this night. And we pray, Lord, that as our friends here that don't know you yet, that are pondering that question, the choice of choosing Jesus as their Lord and Savior and what that choice has an effect upon their life, that you're choosing him to direct you, to lead you, to guide you each and every day, each and every hour aspect of your life and to know that he has the best in mind for you in your life. Father, we pray that those that don't know you yet that are here this evening can choose you, choose your son who came and died and rose again on that cross. He paid the price that we couldn't because we were unable to because the price was so high. You loved us so, and we see that love that Jesus had for us and has for us that he was willing to die in our stead. Father, there are many here that need to make that choice. You could have just... Made that choice for us, but you give us free will, free choice, because you want us to come to you out of our own free will. And we pray now that those that are here this evening could make that choice freely. There are many here, Lord, that don't know ye yet, and they need to seriously consider that choice this day that they might choose you this day, as the banner says. Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We pray for continued blessing upon this evening, the brother that would have the inspiration hour ahead. And we thank you so much that the brother who gave the words this evening was willing to be used of you, and we thank you for that. We pray now that your message would go forth and that it would bear fruit and return unto thee. We glorify thee, we praise thee, and we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen.